This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 36 with guest Katie Campbell. Hello everyone, I'm your host Daria Savorova and welcome to today's conversation. Katie Campbell, known as Beyonce of Business, is a two-time founder, has worked at Zalando, Rocket Internet, APX and Porsche leading venture development, investment and branding teams. Today she is the Director of Organizational Strategy at Parity Technologies a company which is building blockchain infrastructure for the decentralized web where Katie is attracting and retaining the best global talent. In this episode, we speak about her metaverse, NFT projects, and why she swapped Berlin for Paris. Don't want to miss out on the next episode release? Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Hello, Katie. And welcome. Great to see you today in the studio. Thank you for having me. So we're going to start with the sad news or rather a bittersweet news. You are leaving Berlin. Oh, my goodness. I am. And actually, by the time this episode is going to be released, you'll be probably happily biting on French pastries in Paris. So how come you're leaving us? Yeah, so I was watching Emily in Paris and I was just so inspired by... (laughs) (laughs) So you can stop right there. (laughs) I think it would I would have been a miss not to make that joke. I guess of, of various different reasons. People who know me very well know that since I moved here eight years ago, I have been trying to leave every single year. I think that what happened with Corona, and I guess it's still going on with Corona, helped me realize that even though I've grown up a lot in Berlin and saw my 20s here, or a significant amount of my 20s here, and have made an incredible group of friends and seeing huge life milestones here it's not the place I want to settle nor do I think that maybe Paris is for a forever place but I know that it's time to leave and you're not wrong about the pastries like I do really want to go somewhere where I guess cuisine as it is at the forefront of what a city is offering and I always tell the story so before I came to Berlin I didn't own trousers and I didn't own sneakers. I just wore heels and dresses, which if you now see me is a very different, I have changed completely. And I had to buy my first ever pair of jeans when I moved in my first week. And I didn't know how to buy jeans and I had to buy a pair of sneakers and I still have them. They're running sneakers and I used to wear them thinking they were cool. And now of course my famous look is usually sweatpants and a hoodie which I enjoy and I'm very grateful that Berlin lets me express myself that way, but I do miss and I'm craving wearing heels and dresses again. Oh, wow. So I'm looking forward to... It's a new Katie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to like this more adult, a little bit more mature, less rash version. And I feel that Paris is the best place to express myself there. Maybe let's take this opportunity and reflect a little bit on your time in Berlin, those eight years. What learnings are you taking with you in Paris? And maybe also what was the good, the bad and the ugly here in Berlin? I start with the ugly. Berlin is such a transient city. So I I, jo- I came here eight years ago. I'm leaving and I'm very fortunate that some of the friends I met eight years ago are still in my life. They're still my chosen family. But the amount of people that have come and go and gone is probably, I've never seen it anywhere else. And it's very hard at the same time because you do form connections and then you find out the person is leaving. And As we are all growing up, I think my friendship group is realizing people aren't staying here for a very long time. I would say that that forms part of the ugly for me, that it was very hard to build relationships that you felt could be long lasting. And I know that 
I very much in some relationships and some friendships, I definitely brought a lot of toxicity and I wasn't the best the friend, the best partner, because I had this underlying notion that everyone was going to leave. And I think I, I, I think and I hope that I've grown up a lot since then. So this was the, I guess, the formation of the ugly. And then, of course, and this was definitely my choice, I didn't choose to lose, learn German. It's because I, I did convince myself I was leaving every year. So I always find an excuse not to learn it. But you begin to ostracize yourself. You don't really understand what people are saying. You are sitting there and listening to conversations that you're not really part of. I can't just randomly go to the theater. And these are things I used to really enjoy doing when I was in London. And so... I think from there, you, you do start to feel this sense of I'm alone. And then, of course, when your community is changing, I think a lot of the reasons why I, my mental health took dips at, in periods was because I did feel really alone in Berlin. And then, of course, it's very hard to lean on your chosen family because they're also probably going through something. So for me, the the ugly is a lot of my own responsibility that I didn't always invest in people the way I should have and didn't show up as a, as a friend the way I should have. And I guess the ugly of Berlin isn't something that people would say, well, I'm going to live in Berlin for the next like 30 years. It's always like, oh, I'm going to come to Berlin for a few years. But what I'm taking out of there for me, I think is more beautiful. Who I was when I arrived eight years ago, I really fucking hope it's different from who I am now. I think there's still some unfortunate habits I do have, but I came here fresh from LA actually just ready to fucking party and I definitely did that and I'm really grateful I did. I don't know if I would ever have it in me again to party the way I did party in Berlin but what I'm taking out is I feel that I've reached a level where I'm truly happy with myself. I now have an understanding of what thriving means and I started to live my life as if it's not a dress rehearsal. I think for a long time I was living my life as if it was a dress rehearsal. And I think the one thing that I will never, ever, ever be able to let go is, is my cho chosen family. Like I have people here who I consider a huge part of my life and who have shaped and molded me. So for all of the bad times, there's so many more good times that outweigh them. And I'm really grateful for what the city gave me. And I hope that in some shape and form, I've been able to give back over the years. I've at least definitely paid for a lot of strangers drinks and bars. So maybe that's something. I just want to spend the next however many years I have the privilege of being on this earth, just like giving and sharing love in different shapes and forms, whether it's professional, whether it's romantic, whether it's also with my family. I think it's important that we build our own communities and, and give back as much as possible. And talking about sharing love, your mom now. I am. <laughs> How did motherhood change you along the way? Wow, my back is like constantly sore. That's how it changed me. And I haven't slept since like 2020. I think it's important for me anyway to share this part as well, because I don't think a lot of women know that we do have this option, but I chose to be a parent. So I chose to be a single parent as well. My daughter, she's called Teddy, but we just call her Ted. I had her with a friend of mine who, so I'm queer He's gay. He lives in London. He sees her every like third weekend. And, but I chose to go in this journey by myself. How did motherhood change me? So let me tell you that during my pregnancy, there were, I thought on a daily basis, I'm not going to get through this. So my first trimester, I was sick. I was like 
20 to 24 times a day vomiting and I was by myself and of course during COVID it was very hard to also see people and I really didn't think I was going to get through this and I, I had to constantly think am I making the right decision like even like even when I was eight nine months pregnant there was a lot going on and you realize that it is being a parent is a hard thing and at this point I wasn't even she wasn't even here it was just like being pregnant by yourself is a very hard thing since Teddy came along, how have I changed? I guess, yeah, of course, it's a, a joke about the sleep thing, but it's not. So I don't sleep as much as I used to, which I think is great because I now have such a strict routine that I know how to use my time to use it effectively. So I have my work time, my side project time, my friend time, my partner time, and then I really have my focus time with my kid. And I can really show up to each of those and be the best version of myself, which I wasn't giving myself before. I was kind of like giving 50% to everybody. Now I can really come come and give like 100%. How do you day. do that? Well, it, it doesn't make sense. Like you have one more kind of person to give your love and attention. And you're, you're saying that you actually now give 100% to people and work and other activities so that equation does make sense <laughs> i think because she's unlocked something that i didn't think i could feel like i have this immense love for her i'm obsessed with my child like i will be sitting next to her looking at photos of her because i just want to consume her all the time i think she's like magical and watching her grow and learn is a the funniest fucking thing you'll ever see because you're like, wow, babies really don't know anything. So it's really funny watching her try. But at the same time, she's so innocent that it brings me to so much joy. Like in the mornings, we always have our morning selfie together, which is such a horrible habit that I'm teaching her. But she now knows how to pick up the phone and almost take a photo. And she's 10 months, which is awful. And then we always listen to Fleetwood Mac together or we listen to the best of Woodstock. And I love this. And the second it comes on, she starts dancing. And this just fills me. I think this fills my cup enough that then I can go to my friends and show up and like actively listen to what they're saying and actively be present at work and, and actively be present with my partner and have the time to also build side hustles. Amazing. Yeah. So I think for me, the big takeaway is that women are strong enough to do this by ourselves. As long as you have the community around you that does show up for you how you need it. And I've learned the one big thing I have learned is how to ask for help. And say that I need help. And there's no shame in saying, please, can you take the baby out? I really need to have a shower. So not that I'm encouraging everyone to go out there and be single parents. But at the same time, I think being a solo parent, being a single parent by choice is one of the most empowering things I've ever done. Katie, like what drives you in your life? And how do you make those decisions, those bold decisions when it comes to your professional life? I guess I like doing things that I I'm good at and I love doing things that I'm fucking great at. So for me, it's finding jobs where I can challenge myself, where I can learn. I, I think we are lifelong learners and we should be lifelong learners. And so there's that part. Then when I moved to Berlin, I was 24. I was the global comms director at one of the rocket internet startups. And I remember one day thinking, where the fuck do I go now? Like, how do you go higher than this? And you can, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to then kind of follow this routine and then end up one day like VP of comms somewhere. That's just, that's not a skill set I just wanted to have. What I really love, and for me, it's not about the title. It's not about the responsibilities. It's really about what I doing what I love. And that's kind of building communities and translating this either internally or externally. And you can put any title on it in any company, but it's more about how do we take this problem and how do we solve it? I, I was for years so fixated on the company, 
this, the title, how many people are under you, but ultimately it's, it's about really figuring out what is the, the best skill that I can bring to the table? What is it that I love doing and I would love to do every single day for like 10 hours a day? And where can I do that? And I, I guess like I refuse to follow any path, I guess, in any form of my life. And I always going to make decisions based on where my, what my heart feels like. It's always, and a lot of them are very quick decisions. And that's how my career has been. It's not really been about how will I one day be the VP of whatever. It's like, how do I take the skills I have and be able to translate them in the workplace and work somewhere that allows me to be a rebel, that allows me to speak up, that allows me to have, I don't know, mental health days as well. So I think this is a big part of it. Plus, I, and this sounds very negative, but it's really not. I don't think I'm ever going to be good enough for myself. So I keep on pushing the boundary. I, if I achieve something, I push the goalpost just a little bit further because I want to, yeah, life isn't a dress rehearsal. I want to achieve like greatness and what greatness means for me. And I want to show my like kid that a job is not a nine to five thing. It is just an embodiment of who we are. It's exciting. Love that. It's a great phrase. Yeah, it also sounds a little wanky though at the same time. <laughs> You know, and after working as a comms lead at Rocket Internet, Zalando, House of Malachi, APX, which is early stage VC backed by Axel Springer and Porsche, you then realize something, right? And you turn into becoming venture developer at Porsche and now director of strategy at Parity, which is like very different things. And I love that. Why did you start this transition? I mean, you mentioned a few things, but why as a venture developer and now director of organizational strategy? Yeah, I think it goes back to the title thing. I don't think either of those titles is ultimately what I was doing at Porsche in Christian's team at 431, where they're building at like insanely amazing startups. I, is venture development what I was doing? I don't know. I was doing a bit of everything. And I think Christian really understood that. He saw that my personality couldn't be fixed to like one job and just let me, he gave me the autonomy knowing that with autonomy comes trust. I'm doing the right thing for the team. So if that meant that I thought we should create an event series and that's where all my energy was going to go, that's where it would be. If I thought we had to really focus on the certain investors and we should build a strategy around that, he would let me do this. And I guess at some point there had to be a title attached to it and venture development just made the, the most sense. But again, for me, it was still about community. With parity, it's the same thing. <laughs> I asked my boss, Jimmy, if I could just, my title could just be the queen. <laughs> what? Because I think like, that's what I also aspire to. Like, that's my vision of myself, you know, like we should all see ourselves as royalty and like, because I don't really see myself as director of organizational strategy. I see myself as someone who is helping parity continue to achieve its goals through our employees, our contractors, our community, our ecosystem by telling our stories externally and telling our stories internally and just making sure that everyone's happy. Like, that's fucking it. Like, I think that ultimately we all just want to be happy and feel like we have purpose and i'm trying to that with the team i'm just trying to do that whether what title that is doesn't really make sense i still think it should just be called like queen but director of org strategy was maybe in metaverse yeah queen of the metaverse, <laughs> metaverse. Uh, yeah so that's kind of how we got there but I, I don't believe in in titles and i think it's sad that this is in our generation, and I don't see this so much in the younger generations, in our generation, we're so driven by the title. If we're a head, we have to be a director. If we're a director, we have to be a senior. No, it doesn't matter. It's more about like, are you actually contributing in the right way to the ecosystem? And are you happy to be doing it? And are people happy and learning and thriving around you? So I hope that's what I'm going to bring to parity. I guess stay tuned. 
But also, I mean, I kind of disagree a little bit with you That's because okay. because I think we should inspire also women to to put themselves out there and to be courageous and be like, yes, I would like to take a lead position or yes, I would like to have a direct role. I don't disagree, but I think that that's then a Web 2 concept because in Web 3, essentially the whole point is we're all equal. So yeah, we all have different titles, but ultimately at Parity, if an intern wants to step up and be a leader, they have that. Everyone is everyone has got a seat at the table in Web3. And that's the whole point of decentralization, right? So I like that perspective on Web3. But could you explain what is the difference between Web2 and Web3 and, and what is Web3? If anyone is listening to this who actually knows this better than I do, I apologize because this is the Katie version. It doesn't mean it's the most eloquent. So maybe we start with Web1. So Web1 was created actually to be servers based. The internet was created so we would all have our individual servers. So you would have your own server, you'd have your email, you'd have your own website. And it funnily enough, turns out people don't want to manage that. So I think it was in 1998, Bill Gates wrote this essay about how important the internet will be, but one crucial part of it is going to be the distribution of creatives and how we work with creatives, because ultimately it's a platform for people to show off their music, their art, their work in various shapes and forms. And then Web2 is is kind of what came along. And I think that what we have to understand with, with Web2, and I guess someone famously said that the biggest sin was, or the biggest sin of the internet is that we, we didn't learn how to play, pay creators. Web2 is, is your Facebook, it's Google, it's Amazon, it's companies that own our data. It's companies that make decisions of what products to push based on how we are operating. And it's companies that have these structures of hierarchies where there are people that are doing jobs to make money. And then there's people who are getting huge bonuses based off the backs of the people who are actually doing the work. And this is kind of this, this web two concept. And if you really like philosophically pull it out, like what the internet has done for us in general as a society has like, is really hurting us. Oh, we talked about this a lot you know, after the US elections and how much Facebook contributed to that. And what I find really interesting is why did we not have a bigger problem with it? You know, that's not okay that we have these huge companies. It's not okay that as a music performer, you have to have had a certain amount of streams before you even see any money from, from Spotify, but this company still gets to sit there and be worth billions and billions. Web3 is a term that was coined, I think, in 2014 by Gav Wood, who actually is also my boss's boss. So he's the CEO of Parity Tech and has built out and was the co-founder and CTO of Ethereum and now Substrate, Kusama, Polkadot, Parity, Web3 Foundation. And he, he coined the term and Web3 is a decentralized internet. It gives the ownership back to the creators. It gives us the ownership. Everything that I do that is Web3 related, I have to give consent to. It's my, like, and on top of that, it's peer to peer. It's all done in the blockchain. So there is not one server that owns all of my data. And this is what I think is a society that we need to be able to take back the control of where we have given out willingly our data and also our creativity for less than what it's worth. So Web3, I think, is just a decentralized way of building a society where it's built around people that care and communities that strive to be the best they can be. That's a very soft version. It's perfect. I like it. 
And in parallel to this, you are working at Parity. You're also building a Web3, your own playground for metaverse and also doing NFT projects across food education and investment industry. So can you share already more or is it still a secret? No, I can share them all. I mean, they're all, uh, two of them are about to launch. There's going to be, they're all launching this year, but two of them are launching in February. So one of them is just a really fun project. We're still kind of working on the roadmap. It's just an NFT around the queer community and the profits that we make, we will give some of that back to queer charity. So we're going to have this, but we also want to build up events, whether it's parties, dinners in different cities to bring people together because the queer community, when you talk about chosen family is one of the ones that really has this, this chosen family. So we have this one. I would assume that will launch probably at the end of February and I get to build it with one of my best friends, Jean. So that's awesome. Then we have the Underland. So the Underland is uh, is a place in Narnia. It's also a place in Alice in Wonderland. There's something similar in Lord of the Rings. And it's built of, uh, I'm building it with actually my former co-founder, Kiara, who, who is like a shining light in my life. But we're building it with the, with the tagline, girls just want to have funds because we do. We just want to have fucking funds. I'm so sick of just having mentors everywhere or it's always mentorship that women get offered first. And I'm like, no, I want hard fucking cash. Like I want funds and women want funds, but we just don't, we're just more risk of like, we just don't want to take that risk sometimes. So we're building, there's going to be an NFT project. There of course is going to be a community dinners, events. And at the moment, the plan is to build tech around fractionalized fractionalized art, fractionalized NFTs, fractionalized crypto. So for example, I'm sure, unfortunately, we've all heard about the fucking apes and like the apes are such a bro, like it's such a crypto bro thing that these, everyone has these apes, but actually they're such a great investment vehicle and such a great investment asset. But a lot of women don't funnily enough have a quarter of a million to invest into an ape. But what if you could have the tools with the community that you know and trust to buy a fraction of this and then make profit. So we're, that's kind of the route that we're going down there. That was number two. Number three is formation is coming back. So that's now going to be like the fourth cohort. And this is going to be web three. And it's going to be for web three, for people who want to build blockchain and in the web three space. I'm working with a couple of people in the US and Canada to see if we should build a token around it. We're still kind of debating how that should go. And most likely the workshops and the classes that the founders get to go through will actually take place in the metaverse itself, which is just so like, it's just so fucking dope. Um, and then the last one, I'm really hoping it happens and I'm going to put it in the podcast because I know this person will have to listen to it, but I, it, I'm at the, I, it's the working title is the FDA social club and it's for restaurants and bars and people who just love fucking eating. And we want to build this out and pa- like mainly across like Paris, London, New York and LA. So I have to, coordinate with some people in Paris, but the idea is to build a a community and give people access to things that they love. And ultimately that's what Web3 really is at its core is, I don't know if you were in any clubs when you were younger, I was in chess club because I was a nerd. And then I was also in stamp club because I was an even bigger nerd. And I was also teaching myself magic. How I fucking had friends is unbelievable. And, but I love being part of those communities. Like I love talking to people about stamps. I don't do it anymore because I realize it's not okay and no one should collect stamps. But 
I like I loved being part of that. And if you look at what we liked when we were kids, it was being part of communities and collecting things. We all collected Beanie Babies. We all collected Polly Pockets. Or we're doing it again. They're just NFTs and they're just Discord chats. And I think it's just it's our time again to like capture that youthful spirit. When do you have time for all those projects? <laughs> I mean, this is a lot. I like really very, very tightly manage my time. Every I Ubered here in the Uber, I finished up a Notion page. I, I try and use my time as much as possible because that's what empowers me. I don't need to watch Netflix every day. I've done a lot of the, rela I just took like almost a year and a half off. I was like pregnant. No, that's a lie. I just took eight months off to spend time with my child. And like, that was amazing. And now it's my time to like soak up and come back to the, to the center stage. But are you becoming now with those projects a founder again? Because I was listening to a podcast with you where you already uh, had experience founding your own startup and you realized that this was not actually for you, that you wanted to be part of building the communities and helping others and sharing your experience and network, but not becoming a founder yourself. But here you are speaking about like three different projects that you're leading and as a creator and as a founder. In the same fucking room, I had that conversation. Isn't it awful? I knew, everybody said afterwards, a lot of people have said to me that they knew that this would happen again. And I, it's just because I love building things. And the, where I know my flaw is, is I love building and I like executing to a certain point. And then I really do start to get a little bit bored. And I think with the first startup, why I left was not to do with that. There was just other reasons going on with the founding team and it was just a clash of values. And I really don't want to work somewhere where my values aren't being matched. With the second startup, I realized that I had a lot of fear for being a founder. I didn't feel I was good enough. Now, I think it's totally different. I'm a single mom who's raising a fucking incredible kid. I have this incredible job amazing friends, an insanely awesome partner who's so supportive. And I'm not being a founder again. I'm just the person with some other people who is kickstarting this project. And then my goal for all of them is that they do turn into DAOs, so distributed autonomous organizations where the community votes on things, where the community takes over. And yes, maybe you need to have a little bit of not leadership, but people kind of running the project. But my goal is that if we empower people everyone can have a piece of the pie and everyone can step up and, and work. So maybe in like two, three years, I'm going to be doing another fucking podcast in this room and I'm going to be saying something completely different. Who knows? But <laughs> my goal is not to be founding startups and just doing that. My goal is to do a bunch of things I love and I don't see it as being a founder. Unfortunately, I think that's the only title we can give things. I'm right. just going to say I'm the queen of all of these four fucking projects and that's how it looks. Katie, my last question, the very best one, I personally think so, <laughs> of them all. Who would you like to highlight as a woman who you would define an author of her own achievements? This was so fucking hard because, of course, I guess I, I would assume everyone you ask this to wants to say they're, they're close friends, like all their female friends, because they're like... Depends. And then you think, okay, then you think about people in your life. I also thought, you know, should I say my daughter? Like, is she going to listen to this one day and be like, why the fuck do you say me? And I'm like, well, because you're nine and a half months, you've not... <laughs> Like your achievement is crawling backwards. <laughs> I would love her. If you would have mentioned her, she would be like reaching out, I don't know, 10 years, no, 15 years from now and be like, Daria, just checking this, you know, episode with mom. <laughs> Wanted to say hi. 
And oh, I can also crawl forwards now at 15. Um, <laughs> it's a very strange one. And I find it interesting that it, it, this is who I picked because I had someone else who still is someone I think is fucking incredible. But um, so she's called Robin Art Zone. She's the, I'm going to get this title wrong. I think she's a VP or she's a director or some badass Web2 title at Peloton. And she's a Peloton instructor. And she was pregnant at the same time that I was. And I actually got my Peloton after I gave birth. And before I had a Peloton, I always said, Peloton's a fucking cult. Well, here I am talking about it on a podcast. So I guess it is. I have cried during all of her rides, not because they're so fucking hard, because they are, but I modify because modifying is setting a boundary and boundaries are sexy. But because what she's saying to me is like this the positive self-talk that I really needed to hear when I was postpartum. And of course, I and I knew it was going to happen. I fell into a pretty bad postpartum depression. And having this voice of someone you don't know, but you can feel sees you on a daily basis made me want to get up and be a better human being, made me want to be a better parent. And it's just the way that she communicates. And it's also how she spends her time. And I find her so inspirational that famous when she wears yellow, the, the rides are really hard. But I try and do every single yellow ride that she's doing just because I know during those moments, she's going to be even more inspiring in what she's saying. And I never thought in my fucking life I would pick a fucking fitness instructor as my... But I think she's more than that. She's just someone who I hope that I'm inspiring my kid the way that she's inspiring her kid. Wow. I love it. That's actually, no one mentioned their fitness instructor as a woman <laughs> author of achievement. So that's a new one. You really surprised me on this one. Peloton, here we go. <laughs> right? Yeah, next step. I think the, I think maybe the next round is you do like a Peloton series and you get all of the badass instructors on board. Ooh, exciting. Katie, thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like we can all go on and talk for like another two hours. There's so many things I want to talk about, starting from plants in Paris, go more into depths of your like founding journey and your learning. So there has to be a part two eventually, maybe from Paris. And just thank you so much for sharing your journey and your reflections. And I'm excited for your projects. And well, actually, a question here is like, how can someone learn and hear about your projects this year? Um, they can just follow me on Twitter on like Bay, at Bay of Biz, which stands for the Beyonce of Business. And that's who I aspire to be on a daily basis. Queen and Beyonce of Business. Yeah. That's it? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Just so small. I think Robin always says that we are royalty and she doesn't fuck with people who don't think that they are. And I really like that. And that's kind of like the end message I think I should part with. That's a wrap. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon.